Welcome to Queer in Love, the podcast where we explore queer relationships through a queer lens. I'm Diego Amado, and in each episode, I talk to queers about love, pop culture, kink, politics, and beyond. In part two of my conversation with Xiomara, we talk about queer martyr Federico Garcia Lorca and the radical potential of queerness, thinking about starting a family as a single mom and our upcoming gender-affirming surgery. Also, producer Steven continues his debut as co-host Steven. And now, here's Xiomara. Would you say that there is someone who, be it fictional or a, a real person, who has been a bit of a role model for you in terms of your dating life? Absolutely. I'm about to take you on a, on a journey. Yeah. Okay. I'm here for it. So this has always been my perfect mate, even after transition. So when I was 21, I made a list of all the characteristics I would want in a partner. You know, some of them included the characteristics that my my husband at the time possessed and many that he did not. <laughs> and, you know, after compiling all the data and processing it, I finally came up with my perfect mate. Federico Garcia Lorca. <laughs> <laughs> the 20th Tragically. century Spanish poet yeah, now dead, i know he's not alive old. anymore and i'm not opposed to a long distance relationship <laughs> but i think that might be pushing it so i so like what are those qualities like just you know well, taciturn i've you know, always politically engaged i've always imagined what my first date with federico would be like tell us, tell and us. so we would be in madrid in the summer mm-hmm. at the parque del retiro mm-hmm standing by the huge fountain where the boats are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm just waiting there. And I'm scanning the crowd, looking, looking for Federico. Suddenly I spot him wearing a very fabulous off-white linen suit with one of those Italian straw hats. Mm-hmm. And then I call out to him. Hey, Federico! <laughs> he sees me. He comes towards me. Not rushing, not lingering behind. Suddenly we are face to face, eye to eye. And I say, Querido Federico, tienes tiempo para almorzar conmigo? Mm. Y me dice, Claro que sí. Oh. And then as we're eating this beautiful lunch, he pulls out this black notebook. And recites to me one of the most beautiful poems I have ever heard. And that's my perfect partner. I love that. I mean, this is a political hero that died, who was killed. Right, right. Precisely for who he loved, how he loved. You know, he dated Dali. And, you know, that that Mm -hmm. takes some stamina. I think that's probably the least attractive aspect of him. Is that he de- I, I think that's the hottest part of Federico. So weird. I would. I, I don't even know how. I mean, a genius, but I mean, what was the dating pool like in early twentieth century Spain? You know, you I have those. Probably pretty good. You have well, I mean, you you could date a franquista that's like <laughs> in the closet, no, but like not a fascist. You're gonna risk being killed. But I feel like there's some hot anarchists running around. I mean, it's you know, it's the twenties. I mean, esa generación de veintitrés, they they were rocking it. I mean, they were like really turning out some awesome queer work that I don't think we've 
seen happen again since that moment Buñuel's films at that time yeah. were just epic and if if we're thinking about queerness as being explicitly a political practice or political engagement as you were saying you i know, mean i think on. it's sexual too but even that sex is political well, exactly right. and so if you think about it at that time is when movements like anarchy and uh communism are really taking hold in all these different spheres yeah. in a way that today feels much more difficult to talk about of course there's queer anarchists and i follow some of them on instagram uh the anarcho queers yeah but it's not they're still very much there but i think when we think of that combination of artistic production queer anarchy it was also very new in a way maybe the aesthetics of it were very different there's an urgency there right it's like this is the this is the time for us to do i was gonna say it's the the timeliness it's definitely the timeliness i mean i think that reading his last play in publico and i think he knew that this was gonna be the final work um and i think it's probably the queerest play that i think captures what queer love is is really about and he has that morning poem for his boyfriend i mean if you just read through the poems he wrote when he was in new york ode to walt whitman is just so beautiful and it just makes you love queer people so much and i think now feels like uh queerness has settled into itself that it's sort of you know it's not revolutionary in the same way which is unfortunate and it's not that right. it's not, but it, for a lot of folks, that trade-off as you become visible to the state and gain rights, including marriage, et cetera, et cetera, that this, the settling in of queerness in the more mainstream make it less revolutionary. But I think that there's still uh, revolutionary potential in queerness if you know how to cultivate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that in the United States, we're in North America at the height of the AIDS crisis, yeah. where, I mean, we literally have like the cdc telling gay men stop fucking each other and if you do please wear a condom and you know of course white men got pissed off about that but but we saw yet again the ways that sexual practices became politicized almost criminalized that you having sex could be considered something murderous and the fact that HIV laws still exist in most states, for example, right, right, right. Like we're recording this in the state of Illinois. The state of Illinois requires that myself as an HIV person, I have to disclose my HIV status if I'm going to have sex with another human being. And they define sex as me as the penetration of any orifice. So then one of the resurgences that I think that this is a critique of mine where I don't consider it radical is mm-hmm. sort of like the prep discourse, the Truvada discourse, Discovi of like, Oh, the, I feel like HIV negative people are really taking this as a moment to exercise sexual freedom and stuff like that. And I'm like, the discourse is very posphobic though. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I, I can go to prison, I've right. committed a felony. If I don't tell somebody my HIV status. So yeah. I think that, but that, that came from a romanticization of like, from times before. So when they saw the 70s as a sexual revolution of, you know, right. we could, you know, have sex with whoever you want, you know, the free love movement, bath cruising, houses. bathhouses, you know, we're seeing the rise of a sexual revolution. Uh, hello, I have a guest here visiting me right now. Sorry, so my, my dog just showed up. Um. <laughs> Odin, Odin. Hi, baby. Odin. Maybe Hi. now would be a good time to take a break. Take a quick break. Welcome back to Queer in Love. (laughs) So how's it been disclosing your status as HIV positive dating straight men? Weird. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I've gotten in the habit of disclosing my status to begin with. 
Um, I mean, it's become second nature. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, it, it was odd. Um, you know, and on it, and it became something that I was very conscious of doing very often, just like I was with my medication at the beginning. It was like, gotta take my pill at this time. Okay, gonna hook up with this guy. I have to tell him I'm HIV positive. And then, you know, after a while, you know, you settle into your body. This just becomes part of your life. And then, you know, sometimes I'd be like, oh, shit, I forgot to tell this guy. And, you know, gay men would freak out a lot more, even if they were on prep. Like, gay mm. men would, like, oh, you're pops. I'm like, you're on prep, and I'm undetectable. You realize that, according to science, the chances of you getting HIV are point zero 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 one percent Yeah. And the fact that you have to, like, stop and explain that Well, to and at that point, I'm like, we're not hooking up. <laughs> like it's not my job to be the CDC. Like right, 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 Google right. this yourself Google and educate it. yourself. Yeah. Um. But I've noticed with straight men, it's they'll pause and they'll be like, okay. Then I guess we're wearing a condom. And I'm like, I mean, we can if you <laughs> want to. Undetectable equals untransmittable. But uh, you know, whatever you're comfortable with. I'm allergic to latex, so hope you brought a non-latex condom with you. And straight uh, men are not on prep, so and straight men don't take prep to begin with. I, I mean, I've also hooked up with some bisexual men or dated. I'm actually one of my regular friends with benefits is an NB with a wife, mm. you know, and they come over once we have an understanding. Like I've met their wife. They come over once a week and we watch a horror movie and we have some adult fun and they go home to. The, to their wife and you know when i told them that i'm hiv positive they were like oh i didn't know that but it's not a big deal for me and so and that's pretty much been the case when i've disclosed to a lot of people and it's almost like they're not surprised and i'm like okay where's Mm. this coming from and and you know and a lot of that does come from a stigmatization that people have of trans women especially trans women of color yeah that most of us are sex workers or or a lot of guys be like are you dressed up tonight like are you in that i'm like no i'm not a cross dresser like right. like but can you get dressed up in like lingerie I'm like like what is wrong with huh. me just being naked <laughs> why why do you need to have sex with a person that's covered in lace and high heels huh. like why but no i mean as far as hiv has been concerned they were like okay which is odd. I was not expecting that type, at least in my experience. Uh, you know, I know many um, trans girls that are friends of mine that that's not their experience. But mm. thus far here in Chicago, it's not really been a major issue with the men that I've dated or the folks that I've dated. Yeah, it was way more stressful. Honestly, it felt way more stressful as a gay man. Hmm. What do you think? What? Why? Why would you say? I still blame the AIDS epidemic. I think that the AIDS scare did not actually go away. Mm. And that interesting thing is, I think that pause phobia became internalized within the gay community. There's still residue. Right. There's still that residue. There's still that fear. Like the the fact that that gay men ask each other, are you clean? Yeah. That's like, so I used to answer like, I just showered. (laughs) I mean, I can shower again. And they're like, Oh, you know what I mean? <laughs> you have HIV? Are you STD free? Are you? When was your last checkup? Exactly. You know, it's actually statistically safer to have sex with me than it is with somebody who claims to be HIV negative who wasn't tested in the last three yeah. weeks. 
But the fact that I have to tell you that means we're not having sex. So, bye. Do you disclose it in your um, dating profiles? I don't. And and this, there's a lot of debate about this in the trans community. I don't disclose I'm trans on a first date. Hmm. Hmm. Um, it's not on my dating profile. At least as far as Tinder and Hinge and whatever other things straight people use. I forget I have them on my phone, to be <laughs> honest, until I get like... Curtis wants to match with you. I'm like, <laughs> fuck is Curtis? Um, you open it, you have a bunch of DMs. And literally, I was like, I didn't even know I owned Bumble. Um, <laughs> but it's been interesting. It's just been very different as far as the expectations of, yeah. of disclosing. And oh, I think I was going to talk about being a trans woman, but I know I don't remember. Oh, yeah, yeah I, don't come out, I don't come out as trans on a first date. So it's not on my profile. Um, and there's a lot of debate about this. I mean, when I have a full face and makeup on, for the most part, I, I pass and I know that comes with privilege and I know there's a lot of controversy over the privilege of passing as a trans person. Mm -hmm. I want to pass. Like that is a goal of mine. I would love to pass. I do pass. Um, and I realize that comes with the privileges it comes with and I will acknowledge that. Uh, but that being said, I mean, it's a first date. Like, I don't know if I'm ever going to see you again. I, now I don't have sex on a first date so mm -hmm. why am I going to disclose this information to somebody I may not see and potentially put myself in a dangerous situation no just not going to do that and then I have to have the conversation with them when they tell me what I was at. like by the way <laughs> when I get naked you may see something that you weren't expecting um, <laughs> and uh, you know and they're oftentimes like they don't care or they're i mean a very few of them will be like oh yeah i kind of just did that oh uh, so you're saying i don't look like a woman <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but that's not what they mean at all it's it is what it is yeah do you ever do you ever think about starting a family kids oh that that's a that really you... good question because yeah. that's actually been on my mind lately I still don't know the answer to it. I did at one point in my life when I was married, I knew I wanted to adopt. Mm. I knew I wanted four kids. I named all of them. Um, now, I mean, I'm blessed to blessed and privileged to have amazing insurance coverage that will cover every aspect of my trans health, mm -hmm. all surgeries and procedures related to the treatment of my trans health, including reproductive health. So, I do have the option of my insurance covering if I want to free sperm or hmm. testicular tissue. What I've been wrestling with that is, one, do I want kids that right. are, quote unquote, biologically mine? Right, right. To be fair, I've seen my, my family's genealogy, and I may want to spare a child that. <laughs> I think I'm a unicorn that came out in my family. So, I mean, I've seen what my DNA has produced yeah. um, on both sides. So, uh, I could be actually helping someone out by not bringing them in, into that universe. But, you know, this is going to require me to adjust my hormone replacement therapy. I'm going to have to stop taking testosterone blockers. And when my body has already gone through so many physiological changes from being on hormone replacement therapy, I'm going to have to experience the effects of not being on testosterone blockers to even just to do the testing and the sampling. There may not yeah. even be a viable sample. Mm. And so I'm like, is it worth it? 
And plus, I'm HIV positive. So they also have to go in and make sure there's no trace of HIV in my sperm sample. And if there is, they have to do something called sperm cleansing. And that the insurance huh. doesn't cover. And I have to pay for that out of pocket. Would you would you adopt or foster I'm like, you children? know what? If, if and when I decide I want kids, I, I think I'll adopt. And, mm-hmm. and that's something I've been thinking about. I've always said I wanted to adopt by between my mid and late 30s. Um, I want a baby. And so I don't know. I think I'll revisit this conversation with myself probably in a couple years. I think I've decided I'm going to eliminate the whole IVF stuff and just stay on the route that I'm in. I, I mean, my heart was on adoption to begin with. There are plenty of children in this world that just want to be loved by somebody. Yeah. And I, I know I can provide a loving home, you know, and I really love the idea of being a single mother. I was raised primarily by a single mother. So I think that they're magical and amazing and and frankly when my future partner fucks up i want to know that i'm the only one who has rights to my baby hmm. so i could be like hortensia grab your shoes we out oh hortensia so that's beautiful hortensia camila cervantes oh hortensia camila yes better work hortensia i like that Tencha. <laughs> I mean, she'll probably go by camila because she's gonna hate the fact that i named her hortensia <laughs> but i'm down yeah it's kind of an old lady name it's 19th century. It's not old lady. <laughs> old lady names are bad. Yeah, Or Perpetua or something like that. Perpetua, Soledad. Soledad. Soledad's actually kind of a beautiful name, even though it means loneliness. Yeah. Right? I'm like, oh, it means solitude, but okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, That's a good name. Let's see. Do, do you have a question, Stephen, that you'd like to ask? I mean, The only thing I that you kind of touched on that I would like to know more about it is that you are you're having gender affirming surgery. Yeah. So um, I guess maybe talk about the decision making process and like what you're excited about, what you're nervous about, what's kind of going through your head right now. A lot of things. Um, I mean, through my head right now, I'm, uh, I'm excited about gender affirmation surgery. So excited. Like the day I started hormone replacement therapy, I called the surgeon that I knew I wanted for bottom surgery for a vaginoplasty and scheduled my consultation because mm-hmm. I knew she was booked two years in advance. And uh, so that consultation is coming up this March. But in a month, I'm getting top and uh, partial uh, FFS, partial facial feminization surgery and some body mm-hmm. contouring work. It's interesting you ask about the nerves. Uh because even when I went to the consultation for that with the surgeon, I, I was so nervous. And I was like, why am I nervous? This is just a consultation. I know what this medical interaction is going to look like. I know what types of questions I'm going to be asked. Why am I so nervous? And and the more I sat with that, I was like, of course I'm nervous. Why wouldn't I be? These are major changes that are going to happen to my body. And yes, yeah. they're affirming Yes, it's beautiful. Yes, I'm probably going to love the results. But I'm making long-term changes to my body uh, that are mostly permanent. And uh, I'm nervous that I'm excited. I think that's what the the nerves are because it almost seems unreal. To be honest, I never planned on coming out as trans. It was always the, I'll wait until, I'll wait until, I, I will wait until. Like, at this point, I was waiting until I got tenure as a professor. And wow. I was like, I know when I get tenure, I'll probably be like, oh, I'm going to wait till I get full. It, I, w- I just kept putting things off. I mean, I had come out to my ex-husband as trans when I was 19. Mm. 
and he knew and he knew I wasn't ready to come out at that point and I've actually come out to most partners that I that I've been close to and yeah so I'm excited about that uh today actually like for bottom surgery you're required to submit two letters from uh mental health care providers and so today I had the psych evaluation and yeah, I was like, okay, can we hurry up with these questions? Because I already know I want a vagina. So can we just move on? <laughs> like, I know what the risks are, okay? Like, I can get an infection. My new clitoris could necrotize. My new, my urethra can become infected. My vagina can close up. I know. It's a risky surgery, okay? Mm. It's being performed by a robot. So can, like, we just move on? <laughs> but no, it was, I mean, it was a very brief conversation. But yeah, I knew from the very beginning. I mean, I think. It's interesting. I actually did not have body dysphoria hmm. before coming mm-hmm. out, particularly genital dysphoria until coming out where I was like, oh, I actually don't want the front part of my body used in sex anymore. Yeah. You know, and I've always identified as a bottom. I that For the longest time, that was my sexual orientation. Bottom. <laughs> but even with that identity, I often felt like, gosh, I was I'm missing the body part I need to be penetrated in the way that I want to be penetrated. Yeah. So I was like, you know who does not think about that? Cis men. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so I'm so excited. I'm excited for gender affirmation surgery. Hella nervous as one should be. Uh, you know, there are always risks involved with any type of surgery, but the, the benefits are going to outweigh the risks yeah. At, yeah. At, at the end of the day. And it's what I need. It's going to save my life in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and make me hotter on the dating market. Oh, you better work, bitch. Um, I have to like confront the fact that I'm going to get to lose my virginity again. Uh, that's that, that alone is reason. No, <laughs> I feel like I mean, God, is, that we... I feel like God is giving me a second chance. Totally. Let's get, take it back to Christianity. Obviously there's, there's, it's problematic to, uh, I mean, I know virginity is a yeah, right, cultural right, construction, right, right, right. right? but I'm willing to construct it for the experience. Honey. Go. Yeah. <laughs> and you got to make sure it's with the right, the right feller. Well, and yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. Okay, like, do I just do this with a rando? Do I do this with... There definitely has to be long. I mean, I guess if I'm in a relationship at the time, I mean, should he have first dibs? I don't know. <laughs> I, he... Just because you're my boyfriend don't mean you're entitled to that. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so, let's rapid fire, boys. Let's rapid fire. Just the way I like it. No, I'm just kidding. So I don't. I like it? them to take their time. Where are you going? <laughs> Where are you? Bitch. Okay. What is your favorite queer movie? Hold on, I'm blinking. <laughs> I know and I know the answer to this. You can take your time. Oh yeah. Uh starring Greta Garbo, Queen Christina. Oh, I don't even I don't know. I mean my bad guy for not knowing this diva. She I play- know Greta Garbo, but like So what she is plays a, a guy in the entire mm. thing. She plays a soldier. Oh, that's so cool. So she's like a queen that's like disguising as a guy. A drag king. Kind of, basically. I mean, by how we would define it. But... Isn't she a straight cis woman? Is yeah, that she's a straight or... cis woman. But I mean, otherwise, favorite queer movie? Of course, Too Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, and Julie Newmar. I mean, I grew up wanting to be Chi-Chi Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to grow up being John Leguizamo. I wanted to be Chi-Chi <laughs> Rodriguez. Right, right, right. Um, tea or coffee? Tea. 
because coffee gives me the runs. <laughs> okay. It's um, a good reason. Always. I'm a bottom. I have to stay clean. Mm-hmm. If you were on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Does that show even still run? Okay. Yeah. I'm like, does that show even <laughs> no, still it ran. Exist? No, I think it ran into the... Okay, fine. If <laughs> you, you, can, ha- if you, you had can been, still ask the question, though. Still yes, ask yes, the yes. question. If you had been on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, who would be your phone a friend? The friend that you phone? My best friend, Adrian. And why? He's the smartest person I know. No offense. And what's your favorite item of clothing that you own? None. I prefer to be naked. Oh, okay. I like that. I like that. Your birthday suit. Yes. Well, actually, no. For my birthday, I probably would wear something much nicer. (laughs) That's the day I'll be conservative. I'll show up in a habit. Um, What is the one thing you'd save in a fire from your apartment? My amended birth certificate. <laughs> Long reverent pause. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, but well, that's, that's awesome. Like yeah. That. Well, thank you so much again, Xiomara, for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I had a fun conversation with you boys. It was, was so fun. Yeah, really lovely. And why don't we end with. Sure. Yeah. So, on the count of three, let's all say queer in love together. Queer in love. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Xiomara. If you like the show, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. And if you've got a moment, please rate and review us. Our show is produced by Diego Amato and myself, producer Steven. Music by Noah Crickshank. Get in touch with us. Email us at diego at queerinlove.com.